There is a spirit which I feel. Selected Writings of James Naylor Chapter 6 Love to the Lost And a Hand Held Forth to the Helpless To Lead Out of the Dark Part 1 Wherein is plainly held out several particular things as they are learned of Christ, and are most needful to be known by all who profess godliness, set forth chiefly to direct the simple into the living way of truth, as it is in Jesus Christ the righteous, that therein they may come to the life and power of that which the world has only in words, which, being received, satisfies the weary soul, and makes the creature well-pleasing to his Maker. We have found him whom our soul loves, and greater is he in us than he that is in the world. Let him that reads understand. Friends, the following things which I have declared are not things of man, nor did I receive them by man, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is contrary to the wisdom and will of man. Nor do I commend them to be received by the wisdom and will of man. For the natural man's wisdom receives not the things of the Spirit of God, and would eagerly devour that which is born thereof. So to that wisdom I do not appeal, and it is a small thing to me to be judged thereby. But if anyone knows the gift of God, and a measure of that Spirit, which opens the bosom of the Father and reveals his secrets to babes, the least measure of that, if not clouded with imaginations, will savor these things, and to such they may be profitable. So to the light of Christ in all, that which changes not, and is one in both male and female, I present this to be judged and discerned. For only in the light will both these things, and all other things that proceed from the root, work to gather together into that one name and seed wherein all the nations of the earth are blessed. Yes, it is by the light of Christ that men are gathered into the one word of faith and power of life to believe and speak the same things in godly conduct, which leads to the end of all schisms, heresies, and errors, sects, and divisions, and to be baptized into the one name where the fullness of God is blessed forever. So, whoever you are who shall read the following particulars, and shall find anything therein which for the present you cannot receive, be not hasty in judging what you do not yet know, nor kick against that which seems contrary to your will, lest you put far from you, in your own will, that which you may not be able to call to you again, and lest the day of your visitation pass over unaware, and in the day of trial you are made to cry out, how I have hated instruction and resisted the day of healing. And know this, that no prophecy of old came by the will of man, nor could it be received by the will of man. But it was ever resisted by those who stood in their own wills, and so it will be in these things, unless you read them with the eye that never changes. And if you know such an eye in you, and stand single therein in the meek spirit, not lifted up above your measure, you will come to feel how the gift of God in you answers to the things of God, as face answers to face in a mirror. And you will find them also to agree with the life of the Scriptures, though for the present some things may appear darkly. For my service is unto that seed which is not of this world, which savors spiritually and judges not according to outward appearance." Concerning the Fall of Man In the beginning God made all things good. Man, too, was created good, in the image of God, who placed in him his own wisdom and power, whereby man was completely furnished with dominion, power, and authority over the works of God's hands, knowing the nature and use of each creature because of that which God had placed in him of himself. In this state, Adam was a son of God whose seed was in himself. God also placed the tree of life in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and both of these were good in their place, but the tree of knowledge was not good for food. Therefore he that made it forewarned them of feeding upon it, as being that wherein they would find death, 
even as in the other tree there was life. Herein was the blessing and the curse, the life and the death, the obedience and the disobedience, the election and reprobation. All of this was good in its place, while man stood in his place, guided by him who placed him in the good and forewarned him of the knowledge and gave him power against it. Yes, he was safe while he stood in that will which had set all things in their place, which will was free for God and free from sin. And here the will of God and the will of man were one, and so were at unity with all the creation. But when man looked out of his domain to where one ruled who abode not in the truth, then disobedience was received in, and that which was contrary to the will of God was fed upon, and so man joined to that which was contrary, wherein there is weakness, death, darkness, and blindness with respect to the things of God and what he had received of him. Then man grew subtle within himself and wise to do evil. He lost the will that was free to wait upon God for wisdom and counsel to be freely carried forth by him, and so fell from uprightness and innocency and pure wisdom and spiritual power which God had placed in his heart into self-ends and inventions which he had chosen in the contrary will. Thus, entering into the forbidden thing, he became accursed, lost his measure of God's grace, lost God's honor and likeness in which he had stood above the creation, and so became brutish in his understanding. And as to the things of God, became as the beasts that perish. For indeed, he lost the seed, wherein the election, the wisdom, the authority, and all happiness, present and eternal, does consist, and so became led by another seed, which God had cut off from himself, and permitted to rise up for dishonor. Here it is that man lost his dominion over the devil, by letting him in, who otherwise never had power further than to offer and tempt. But now, having got into the temple of God, the principal part in man, by a show of God and godliness, man has joined with him and become his captive, in whom the devil makes havoc, beguiling him of the life of simplicity and godliness, and perverting the ways and ends for which man was made. And sin now having risen above and become ruler in the heart, even the mercies of God given to the creature are used for the lust that is carnal and selfish, to which man has become a slave. Alas, man has so lost his dominion that he is made a slave to the creation over which he formerly was ruler. So it is that men have become slaves and are captivated, some with covetousness, some with pride, some with lust, and many other things. Yes, these become lords in the heart, whereby he hurries with all eagerness out of all moderation and hunts after vanity and folly. Oh, what vain toys and foolish trifles have led away the heart of man from the pure wisdom of his God, till he scarce knows any end of chasing after changeable things, gluttony and excess in diet, though he is never satisfied, foolery in apparel, without check or restraint, being wholly fallen from that which is unchangeable, and from true satisfaction and honor. And the further a man goes into this state, the more emptiness and darkness comes in upon him, and being fallen under the earthly nature, he is covered with thick darkness, so that he knows neither the mind of God nor his own woeful state. For the God of this world has blinded the eye which would show him his misery, and stopped the ear which would hear the voice of the soul's shepherd, whereby he would be quickened. Yes, his eye and his ear are led out into carnal things, and there taken captive, so that the voice of the Spirit he knows not. So then, having become blind of heart, such cannot receive the way of the Spirit, and whatsoever is spoken to a man in this state, in love to his soul which lies in death, the serpent, having risen above in the man, seeks to steal into the imaginations whereby the creature is led to consult with him in the flesh. 
In this way, man is beguiled of the simplicity and kept in self, so that he regards not the seed of God, which is pressed down under all this death and darkness. And so long as the creature will hearken to the serpent and his lying promises, he will be led from one outward thing to another, but never to see that from which he has fallen. Thus Christ and all his ministers preach repentance to those who are in this state, that all might turn their minds from these dead works to the living God, who is a spirit, who is known and worshipped in spirit, whose kingdom is within, and whose light is in the midst of all this darkness, though the darkness does not comprehend it. And as many as repent of following the way of self-wisdom and knowledge, and come to stand still, to such he shows his salvation and his kingdom near at hand, though the serpent tells his followers it is far off. And as the mind is stayed to wait for the kingdom of God in spirit, the God of the world is thereby denied and resisted, and as the mind is stayed in the light, no longer hearkening to what is earthly, the soul which lies in death comes to hear the voice of the Son of God, and to receive life and strength from the Word, whereby it is raised out of the grave, above the earthly part, to receive from the Father the dew of heaven, whereby it is nourished and refreshed. And as man beholds the seed growing, so he comes to see the new creation, and to understand what he lost in the fall, and so is restored by the power of the Word, the Son of God, into his dominion, power, and purity, and made able to resist the devil, to choose the thing that is good and delight in it, even as before he delighted in the contrary. Thus man comes to be reconciled to his Maker in the eternal unity beyond what words can express. For the wisdom and power received from above sets the heart free from corruption, enabling it to escape the pollutions of the world and to run in the pure path with delight, which is the glorious liberty of the sons of God, the resurrection in Christ from the death in Adam, and the entrance into the everlasting rest. And now, all who find yourselves fallen from your dominion, from that measure of God's gift which he has placed in man, and now find yourself led captive by the evil one into the ways of death, sin, and evil, so that corruption has dominion in you and over you. Never look to be restored by that which led you out, for that power which acts in the flesh is only evil continually. This will lead you from mountain to hill, in self, in emptiness, without life and power, seeking to heal yourselves in false persuasions but will not stand in the day of trial. For all of this is found in the first man with his righteousness. But you must look to that from which you have fallen and return into that from which you have gone out. And by the light that is in the midst of all this darkness and death, you may be led up again by the blood of the cross through the fire and the sword into the garden of God where he plants and feeds, and where the old man, with all his will and works, cannot enter, nor can he whose leader is any visible thing. For man has fallen and gone out from the Spirit, and so by the Spirit he must be led in again, and that seed which man has sinned against must make the peace, which seed is free and sets all free as they are born of it. Concerning Light and Life God is the life of every creature, though few there be that know it. For the darkness sees neither him nor his life, though the children of darkness may speak his words from the scriptures, which were given forth from the light. Yet such as these know not God to be present, for the first appearing of God in the world is by light. God said, Let there be light, and it was so. And God saw that this light was good. This is that which was in the beginning with God, and was the Word, by which all things were made and seen. And without this nothing was made that was made, nor was anything seen to be good. 
Now darkness was over the face of all the waters, until the light shone from the Word, who is life, which life is said to be the light of men. John 1, four, So that none can see the life except by the light, which both comes from the life and leads back to it. This was the light in the beginning, given to keep in order all the creation. And though it shines in darkness, the darkness does not comprehend it. And all who abide in darkness, not discerning the life, or being ordered and governed by the light, are destroyed. For all that go out of the light go into the darkness, where the life and image of God are lost. Here is the fall, and all who abide here are reserved in chains of darkness, not knowing the life which can break the bonds and chains of iniquity and open the grave and the prison door. Here the soul remains in death, with darkness risen above in man. And in this darkness the creature is led into sects, opinions, errors, chasing imaginations, and running in his sensual wisdom further into death and darkness, till he is so blinded in his understanding that he thinks he does God's service when he is acting against the life of God, both in himself and others. Hereby the creature comes wholly to be lost, and the gospel, which could recover him, is hid from his eyes. For though God did furnish the soul with a measure of life, whereby to do his will, yet now the God of this world has so blinded the mind, and so far alienated him from the life of God, that he has neither power nor life to do the will of God, nor light to know where to find it. But though he lacks life, the creature will continue in a profession of religion, or some other lofty notion, in order to keep a vain hope of salvation. Here is the sole ground and cause why there are so many sorts of religious forms and opinions and ways to worship, but none that do good or live in what they say, because all have lost the life of God, which alone is able to bring forth the righteousness of God. Self takes hold of the outward form of religion and holds it in the imagination above the life, and the life, which lies oppressed beneath, cannot unite with the form, but instead condemns it, so that all the world lies in darkness. Yes, thick darkness is upon all the seas, and from here imaginations have spread over all, so that none can witness the work of God. Neither do they know the beginning or end thereof. This is the cause of condemnation, and it rests upon all who have gone out of the life of God. Now, there is no other way appointed of the Father to come out of this condition but by Christ Jesus, the light and life of men. He is the light that is in the world, though the world knows him not which light shines in darkness, but cannot thereby be comprehended. This light is the revealer of darkness, and manifests the deeds thereof. Its very first appearance in the creature shows the darkness of his condition, and the captivity that exists in the darkness, and without its shining, the creature can never see the wretched condition that man is in, without the life of God nor be willing to stand still to see God's salvation, but instead is full of vain hopes, notions, and imaginations, the veil being over his heart, thinking himself to be whole and not in need of the physician. And with this blind heart, the creature reads the scriptures and steals the promises that are spoken to the children of light, who have the seed to whom the promise was made. Though they know neither the law nor the gospel, no, they have not come so far as Moses, though they go on boasting of Christ. But when the light is minded, the creature comes to see that death is yet reigning, and that self is alive without the law. And with this light, all that has risen up above the life in the creature and defiled the soul is seen and judged. And here, that which has brought the soul into bondage can be seen and the hardness of heart can be felt, and the cause of it known, even the great transgression of God's pure law. Then the fear of God comes to take hold of the man that has lived outside the life of God and taken pleasure in unrighteousness, 
and the creature finds great trouble within, even where the strong man had formerly kept a sort of peace in his house. But abiding in the light, the cause and end of these things are seen, and dwelling in the fear, wisdom is received from above to depart from iniquity, and in departing from iniquity there is a drawing nearer to God, so that his light grows and springs, and there is a coming nearer to the just paths of life. And as light arises yet further, the state of the creation is discerned, how enmity has spread over, how lust has defiled it, and how that which was planted a vineyard has become a wilderness for barrenness, grown over with thorns and briars, strong oaks and tall cedars, for lack of the vine-dresser. Yes, where the lily should grow, the soul is overgrown with weeds, thistles, and nettles, so that God will not walk in the midst of so great an abomination. And this is the cause of all your woes, even his absence. And when you can see this, then lamentation begins in the house of laughter. Even a mourning for him from whom you have fallen. But as you follow the light and come nearer to the Lord from which it comes, you will see that it has been your own wills and ways that have separated you from the Holy One. And with the light, you will realize how often you have been checked by the spirit of light in the course of your evil ways, and that the only cause why you have remained thus long in the fall is because of self-will and worldly pleasures, whereby the life of Christ within has suffered. Not before this can any man see the one whom they have pierced, nor lament over him, nor see what it is that oppresses the righteous one, nor can they hate what God hates and love what God loves in any degree. Instead, they join to that which destroys the soul and robs it of life, being high-minded and lofty, having mouths that speak great things, swelling words of vanity, empty brass, giving a pleasant sound to the carnal ear, but have no evidence of the life of God or its work. Concerning Righteousness The righteousness which God accepts is but one, which is his own perfectly fulfilled and manifest in Christ Jesus, the light and Savior of the world. This righteousness is not of the world, nor can the world inherit it, except as they believe in the light of Christ, which God has given to lead out of the world unto Christ, where God's righteousness is. Though there be many talkers of this righteousness, yet none inherit it, further than they receive the Son of Righteousness by faith, and with him his righteousness is freely imputed, being put into the creature as a free gift from the Father. And with this righteousness the creature is truly made righteous, even as he is righteous, according as the measure of light from Christ is received, and no further. The light which condemns all self-acting, regardless of pretense, so that as he was, so are we in this present world. 1 John 4.17 So he who abides in this righteousness abides in that which denies self and the world and lives in obedience to that which is contrary to man's will, and so is everywhere spoken against. For the will of man works not the righteousness of God, but God's righteousness is wrought in the creature in that obedience which is contrary to the will of the flesh. And in the faith which comes from the eternal spirit, there is a new begetting, both of the will and of the deed, so that what comes forth is spirit and life. So far as any have this righteousness, they do not lie under sin, nor give place to the devil, but know it to be a breastplate against all assaults on the right hand and on the left. But you say, your righteousness is as filthy rags. I grant it. But why do you abide in that? God's righteousness is not filthy rags. Therefore, cease from your own righteousness, and know that which is perfect, even the everlasting righteousness in which all his saints have been gathered into himself. For God will receive nothing but what is his own, and it must be yours also, else you cannot be received into him. 
It is in vain that you plow wickedness and sow iniquity and still think to reap righteousness. With the light you may see what it is that works in you and to what you are yielding yourself as servants. And as you obey this righteousness, you shall see the spiritual man raised and living and the bonds of death broken and that life which gives power over hell and death. Then you may say, The Spirit is life because of righteousness. Romans 8.10 But many have made Christ's righteousness a cover for their abominations. What wickedness now exists among the nations for which Christ's righteousness has not been called a cover? Yes, men bless themselves with a notion of Christ's righteousness while they live in the greatest iniquity. But know this, it is to cover your wickedness, pride, and covetousness that your teachers invented this faith, saying it is sufficient to believe in a righteousness that you read about in the letter, though you are not obedient to it in spirit. But those who are not servants of righteousness are no servants of Christ, and your faith without his works will be of little worth towards your salvation. And this your consciences will one day witness. You can no more inherit righteousness or be made the righteousness of God in Christ further than you know the power of his righteousness working in you and you acknowledging it by obedience and subjection and joining to it against all unrighteousness. And at that day when he comes to separate the precious from the vile, then you will see what worth your notions of righteousness have when the worker of iniquity is found and judged who has boasted of Christ's righteousness in words, but know not its power. For by the power and purity of righteousness, all the workers of iniquity shall be judged and condemned. So do not deceive yourselves. He that works righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. 1 John 3, 7. But he that talks of righteousness and commits sins is of the devil. 1 John 3, 8 and will inherit the portion of the one by whom he is moved and guided. For God's righteousness will neither mix with nor cover deceit, nor was it ever given for that purpose. But as it is obeyed, it reveals and destroys both man's righteousness and unrighteousness, according as it is revealed from faith to faith. And all who have Christ's righteousness will witness its effect to kill and make alive even as it is received by faith. Yes, this is Zion's righteousness that goes forth as a brightness and its salvation is as a lamp that burns. Be ashamed, you heathens, who lean upon the Lord and say, The righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. For you have more dishonored his righteousness than any that came before you, and the name of a Christian has been a reproach in all the world because of your unfaithfulness to the righteousness of Christ. Concerning the Word The Word is that which was in the beginning, and which was the beginning of all visible things. By it all things were made, and though it is the upholder of all visible things, and reveals their true ground and use, yet it is invisible in itself, and no visible thing can reveal it. And as without it, Nothing was made that was made, John 1, 3. So without it nothing can be seen according as it was made, nor can anything be used in its pure and proper place. But whatever man meddles with, not having the word in him to guide, order, and sanctify, the same he defiles, and it becomes polluted as to him. Without this word no holy scripture can be read with profit, for it opens the scriptures of truth. And though the scriptures declare it, yet neither the scriptures nor all the writings in the world are able to comprehend it or declare the depth and extent of it, which is beyond all descriptions. Nevertheless, it is the teacher and guide of those who are the Lord's in all generations, and the saints in all generations have known it in measure, more or less, though it has no place in the world's religious professions. So, hearing of a word but not knowing it. Men say the written letter is it. But whoever has this word 
has that which comprehends death and hell and the grave, and which binds and chains Satan, overcomes the world, issues forth life and light, whereby the new creation is known, in which righteousness dwells. These things are witnessed by those who have the word abiding in them, but not by everyone who has the written letter. The will of man cannot change the word, for it is contrary to the will of man, nor can man's wit open or expound it, for it confounds the wisdom of the wise and brings to naught the understanding of the prudent. Yes, this word hides from the wise and prudent, but reveals itself to babes, and grows and increases within them, which the letter does not do. And as it grows, it sanctifies all that have it, and is a fire and a hammer to all who know it. Indeed, it is quick and powerful." dividing asunder the joints and marrow, the soul and spirit, wherever it is found. But the letter is not so. And this word is a reproach to every carnal mind, even to many who profess the letter. Whosoever has the word, with it they are washed and cleansed and translated from the world and conformed to God, so far as they possess it. But many have the letter who know not God but are in the unclean customs, fashions, and ways of the world, and are neither changed nor reconciled to him. No one can keep both this word and his sins, but having only the written letter he may. For wherever the word is known, the new creature is witnessed, who is created to walk in righteousness. And he who has the word sees that all who claim to know the word but walk not in righteousness are liars and do not practice the truth. These indeed dishonor the word, and speak as though it could dwell with pollution. But the word is as a fire to burn up all uncleanness wherever it is found, so that wherever sin stands, the word is not known. Carnal men may read of the word of the Lord which came to the saints, in obedience to which the saints were washed, purified, and begotten again. But not knowing this word in themselves, these say the word is the written letter, which only declares it. Thus the word that they know has no power in them to overcome the devil and break the bonds of wickedness, whereas the word of God is not bound but free, and sets free all that obey it and have it abiding in them. Yes, it breaks down the seed of sin and raises up and quickens the seed of God. Thus the old life and the word cannot stand together in one body, nor can the old man know any word but the letter. And in his imagination he searches with fallen wisdom for that which God, in his wisdom, has hidden from the wise and learned, and so remains in darkness. To this man the scriptures are as a parable and a mystery, which his disobedient wisdom cannot find out. So he brings meanings, interpretations, twistings, and additions, all of which arise from the man who cannot enter, and in whom the word does not dwell. So then, men having gone out into the world, the light of the gospel is preached in order to turn him again to the word, so that coming to the knowledge of this word in the heart, and having the mind stayed upon it in the light, he may come to see the power of the word working out the unclean nature and the rebellious will, slaying the carnal man and all his affections by the cross, and working in the pure nature. And so, through the death of the old, the new rises up, making a new creation in Christ Jesus with power to do good works that come from the eternal word. Such good works are accepted by God for he is their mover and worker, and the creature is only the servant therein, working together in the same power. This is not man taking performances upon himself from the written letter, but is the eternal counsel and strength of God commanded, moved, and performed in God's will and time, and contrary to the will of the flesh, whereby the will of all flesh is subdued, so that God's own works do praise him. So then, because of the living word, a living soul comes to be witnessed. The life of Christ is made manifest in the mortal body, and the creature comes to have fellowship in the life, being transformed thereinto and united in one. This is the word of reconciliation, 
2 Corinthians 5.18, which unites God and the creature in spirit. Whoever knows this needs not go out looking for wisdom, counsel, or strength against all the powers of darkness or the wiles of the enemy, but by diligently taking heed to the word which is near, in the heart, he finds issues of life, spiritual strength, and power against all spiritual wickedness. Concerning Worship The worship of the true and living God stands outside of man's natural will, knowledge, wisdom, and prudence. For God is a spirit, and in spirit he is worshipped. He is not worshipped by men's hands or with bodily exercise, except so far as the eternal spirit is the author and mover. Nor does his worship stand in food and drink, nor various washings or other carnal ordinances taken on by tradition or imitation of others, but only as every creature is moved by the spirit of the living God. God will be served and worshipped in his own spirit and not with anything else that man has offered since the fall. So the imaginations, thinkings, and conceivings of man are shut out. All of man's ways, man's times and forms, customs, orders, and ideas concerning decency, devised and added by men, are all shut out and condemned by that spirit in which God alone is worshipped. God's people are taught his worship and the manner of it, and the times are in his hand whose worship it is. Thus, before any can rightly worship God, they must wait to know His Spirit, who alone leads to true knowledge and worship, both the matter and the manner. All who desire to worship Him acceptably must know His light, and in it must wait to know what God calls for at your hands. For it is not what men appoint for you to do, or not do, that will acquit you before the Lord. For know this, God made man for himself and for his service, and the living God is not a dumb idol, that people should imagine a way to serve him as may best suit the fashion and custom of a nation or people. Rather, he that made man has given him a measure of life from himself to be increased in his service, and a light also he has given, whereby man can see the moving of this spirit of life. This life, or spirit, always moves according to the will of God, because it is of Him, and so wherever it moves in the creature, it ever draws towards God. The mind, will, affections, and love of God are in it, and he who walks in the light sees these things. But the creature, running out before this, or without this, runs into all manner of dead works and worships, and the ground of this arises from darkness and disobedience. For the creature who has been out in the world and its unrighteous ways, doing what is evil, is condemned by the light in his heart for evil and for neglecting what is good. But then the same corrupt mind runs to acts of worship in order to get peace, so that both his evil deeds and his worship are performed in the same nature. Thus his prayer becomes an abomination as was said of others, Proverbs 28.9. For he that regards iniquity in his heart, God will not hear his prayers, nor accept his worship. Indeed, this is Cain's sacrifice, and these are Esau's prayers. But your worship must be performed in the one who never sinned, or it cannot be accepted by the pure God. So that the way to be well-pleasing to the Father is to wait in the light until you feel something of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, moving in you, and then, joining with that, in its power, you may worship. For this power comes from God, and he cannot forget himself. What is done in his light and power and wisdom and strength is done in the name of Christ. And whatever is done in his name is not denied by his Father. So far as any are in him, that far they are sons and are accepted in him. But without him you can do nothing, nor be regarded by the Father. You who know not this power to lead and guide you in your worship are worshiping what you do not know. John 4.22 Neither do you know with what nature you worship, though you claim to be about his worship and work. 
Alas, false worshippers were always the greatest enemies to Christ, and so to their own souls. And woe to him who thus hides his sin. So, all who desire to worship in truth, you must first know the truth, even the spirit of truth who leads into all truth. This spirit of truth takes of Christ and testifies of his life and power in the creature who is worshiping. These know they are in him and that he is in them, and in him they worship the Father of truth, so that God is served by what comes from him. Only as far as this is known can any worship God in spirit. Therefore, you who have received light from Christ, wait in it, till therein you find the Spirit leading, acting, and ordering, and here the least worshipper in the light is found in God's service when you wait upon him in spirit. And such as abide in the light, waiting upon God in the light, are kept from serving the prince of darkness, for their loins are girded and their lamps are burning, and they are always ready to know his voice and answer it with obedience. But those whose fear and service towards God are taught by the precepts of men do worship in vain, for all the children of the Lord are taught of the Lord. Isaiah 54.13 And they are the sons of God who are led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8.13 These hearken to the Lord and know his voice, and what they see and hear, that they do, and do not offer the sacrifice of fools. Ecclesiastes 5.1 But do you not offer the sacrifice of fools, you who are fighting and contending for a manner of worship which Christ never ordained, nor his followers ever practiced, which you may clearly see if you but compare your established worship with the practice of the saints? For all has been changed by men and councils, under pretense of decency and conformity, or something else that stands in the will of man, but which God never commanded. Truly, Nebuchadnezzar was not more zealous for his image than you are for yours, and if you had his power, you would force those who have found the everlasting way of Christ to bow to your imaginations. For you will never find God in a worship that does not come from him." which men and councils have altered and added to and changed from time to time according as it best suits their customs and countries, so that each nation has its different manner of worship. And though all be agreed upon by the councils of men, still it lies out of the counsel of God. So all who have gone out in any way from Christ, the true pattern and example, have gone into the imaginations of men and into will-worship, Colossians 2.23 and there have become servants of men and not of God. For it is not the name that makes it God's worship, but the nature, which must be in spirit and in the will of God. This nature is contrary to the will and wisdom of men, in which they have performed their idolatrous worship in all ages, and set up their likenesses and images instead of true worship, being blind of heart and assuming that all were out of the right way but themselves. And truly, this is what you have done, all you who at this day set up an imitation from the written letter of what other men have done and experienced, but have not received your command and power and spirit from the Lord. To you it will be said, Who has required these things from your hands? Isaiah one twelve. For all the saints have their command in the Spirit, and know how the Spirit gives life to fulfill the command. And so their worship is spiritual, and the heart and mind and soul are united in it. Here there is no idol or likeness, but in one spirit is found the command, the power, the life, the will, the way, and the worship. But all you who have sought to take on the saints' practices, without being called, commanded, and furnished in spirit, you lack power and life. And so even in the time of your worship, your hearts run out after carnal things. This is spiritual idolatry, for whatever your minds are in, that is the God which you worship. But the pure God seeks truth in the inward parts. Concerning Faith He that has the living faith, which is in Christ, lives by it, and the life that he lives is above all the world and the powers of darkness. The least measure of this faith is perfect, and is a present power against all the assaults of Satan 
if the creature abides faithful in it, and does not run to other helps and so expose himself to distrust. For true faith is the gift of God, and whosoever receives a measure of it has a measure of the Son, against which the Father will not allow any temptation to prevail. This faith lays hold upon God's righteousness, which righteousness is seen in the light and wrought in the Spirit, whereby the creature becomes God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, and so becomes free from evil, dead to sin, but alive to God's righteousness, waiting in faith to see righteousness revealed through obedience thereto from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now this is the living faith, which purifies the heart unto a life of godliness, and so reveals the righteousness of faith for an inheritance, everlasting righteousness, ever-growing and springing, whereby the creature grows into the knowledge of God and walks with him by faith, out of the world with its pleasures and kingdoms, into the kingdom of the Son of God. Here the reproach of Christ is esteemed great riches, and men lay hold of invisible things, things which the world's faith cannot reach. For man's faith carries him no higher than visible reasoning and consulting with sensual wisdom and carnal help, and so brings nothing to perfection, because it sees not him who is perfect. But the living faith sees him who is invisible, and lays hold of the measure of God made manifest in spirit, which works out the old and works what is new, both the will and the deed, whose work is perfect both to kill and to make alive. But the world's faith is not of this nature and power, for they hear a thing with the outward ear, and so set themselves to believe, or to not believe, according to their own will, or imagination, or from outward persuasion. And as their imaginations, thoughts, and conceivings change, so their faith changes also. And thus it cannot be steadfast, because it does not stand in the measure of God's Spirit known in the heart. This faith does not serve God, nor can it please Him, nor does it see Him that is invisible. Hebrews 11.27 And so, not standing in that power which is contrary to the will of man and the power of sin, the world's faith lies subject to the will of men and the power of the prince of this world. And as the world and the times change, so does the faith. But it can never lead out of the world and out of time up to the Redeemer of the soul. And to all who remain in this nature, the living faith, which comes from God and stands in a pure conscience, is a mystery, neither known nor received. So then, the faith of Christ and the faith of the world are distinct and have their different effects and fruits. The one professes freedom and redemption in the imagination and comprehension, but remains a servant of sin. The other has the living faith, which gives the life of freedom. And as their ground and root is different, so is their fruit and effect, the one being always against the other. For that faith which stands in Christ slays sin, and believes in purity, perfection, and holiness. And it is by this faith alone that the just shall live, bringing justice and righteousness to light and godly conduct. But the faith which stands in the imaginations and wisdom of man, which believes in salvation without holiness of life, this faith crucifies the just one and keeps the unjust alive. Indeed, this is the faith of those who believe the scriptures and the words of the prophets, and that God was their father, but not having the word of faith in their hearts, slew the Son of God and set the murderer free. So then... Even as the faith which is dead works death, so the faith which is living works life. For a profession of faith without righteousness is like a body without life. And as a living man is known by his actions, so the living faith is known by its fruits. Just as man cannot live without action, so true faith in Christ cannot be without righteousness. These are inseparable. Therefore, it is called the righteousness of faith, Romans 4, 11, 13, 9, 30, and 10, 6, where the heart believes unto righteousness, 
There the mouth confesses to salvation, without hypocrisy or self-righteousness. Therefore, God's righteousness is received in the heart by faith, and by obedience thereto it is brought forth into the world as a witness against all unrighteousness. But it is a dead faith that does not bring forth the life of Christ into the world. Concerning Hope Hope is a gift of God. It is pure. It stands in that which is pure, showing the soul the purity of God and the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Beholding this, the soul is kept from joining to the wicked one in all of his temptations, because it sees in the light a better expectation. For when the life of Christ is not known in full power, yet it is beheld in the hope, which is as an anchor to stay the mind from following the unclean one, so that hope keeps out of sin and makes not ashamed, and even in the hour of distress it hopes against hope. This is the hope that enters within the veil into the holy place where life and immortality are brought to light, which no mortal eye or carnal sense can approach. Yes, this is the living hope, which hopes to the end that Christ and his righteousness may be revealed to take away sin and to save from it and out of it. And in the hope of this, the children of God wait in the obedience of the Spirit not conforming themselves to deceitful lusts. But as he who has called them to hope is holy, so he that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. 1 John 3.3 But the devil has begotten another sort of hope in his servants, who believe him and are acted upon by his spirit. This hope stands on another ground and brings forth another fruit telling a man that though he be a servant of sin, yet there is hope for salvation. And though the witness of God in the conscience testifies to the contrary, yet the serpent teaches that this hope must not be judged false or questioned, so that where the devil has become the teacher in man, a tender conscience is resisted, as the greatest error and foolishness in the world. And by him man is taught that to wait for a Christ within is to deny the Christ who died at Jerusalem, or that to seek the mystery that has been hidden from ages, namely Christ within the hope of glory, is to deny the person of Christ and his blood and sufferings. And many such imaginations has Satan begotten in people's mind to scare them from minding the light of Christ within, that so he may keep the heart in darkness and his seat there undiscovered. So he sets men to look for an outward kingdom of Christ, and for an outward manifestation of the Spirit, and an outward light, an outward word, and an outward righteousness, and to hope in these, even while the serpent dwells in the heart, and there, in darkness, upholds his kingdom of sin, and a seat of unrighteousness all their life, feeding them with a hope of what they will experience after they are dead, by a profession of words without the power and life and spirit and truth in them. This is the hope of the hypocrite that must perish in the end, Job 8.13, and come short of salvation. For it is not the hope of Christ to live in sin and yet hope for salvation. No, Christ's hope longs for freedom from sin as much as freedom from hell. And he who knows Christ and hopes in him, hopes in righteousness and desires as much to live in righteousness in the present evil world as to stand in righteousness in the day of judgment. But is there any reason why you should hope to be saved by Christ, who presently will to be the devil's servants, and yield your members as servants to him, delighting in his wickedness while you live, and yet desiring to be saved by Christ's righteousness when you die?'